0: Ask the right questions. I don't. So I did you a solid. I asked the questions for you. This is fake questions, real answers. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I am your host, Easton Fries, Director of Published Content and Senior NFL Contributor at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Friday, everybody. Rise and shine on a Friday morning. We are at the end of the week. Congratulations. You made it. And uh, we got a, a big episode for you today. I'm joined, as always, by producer
1: JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. Happy Friday. Busy work week. But I got a question. How are you, man? How are you feeling? There's a couple of big things going on in your life. Uh, a couple big the time things. Of a big
0: Houston game games. on yeah, Sunday. Big Houston that's game pretty is number big. one, of course. Um. Yeah. What else? I'm getting married on Saturday night. Yeah, that's That's a. That a. That's a small element of my week. Um, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the uh, uh the Tennessee game on Saturday night is <laughs> no, it's it's been, it's been wild. Um so yeah, this is the last episode of the Hot Read in which I will be a single man. I'm getting married to my beautiful future wife this weekend. JT is actually one of my groomsmen. So we are uh very busy after this show. We're recording this slapping it on the internet and then going off to uh to have me betrothed to my my future wife and it's going to be a good time it's been it's been really hard to pretend anything else is important to me this week um with with work and covering the titans and any any other element of my life it is it's just a long time coming and i'm not really nervous about any one thing in particular it's gonna be great i'm excited about it it's just like that anxiety is building up inside me i've been i've been tracking my apple watch all week just to see like Because I have a baseline heart rate um, of like around 70 BPM. And every day this week, my average daily resting heart rate has increased a little bit more just because I'm so excited and anxious about it. Um, So like today, my average resting heart rate is like 15 beats per minute more Um, because... I'm what? like two days away now from being married. And uh, that's, you know, for the rest of your life, it's a big deal. and it's a I'm gonna have all my friends and family there, and there's a million things to do. So, but enough about me. that's that's me, and we'll we'll talk about how it went on on Monday morning. But for today, I will for the next hour and change, probably just pretend that that's not happening and pretend like I, I care about this to. Houston game this week, <laughs> which I do. I do care about this game, and there's there's more to talk about in this game. Unlike, unlike the Commander's game a couple of weeks ago, which was ugly and also incredibly boring, this one is ugly, but it's not boring. There's plenty to talk about in this game, and we're going to get into all of that. Before we, we dive into our main show today, I got to shout out a five-star review that was left to us. You know, I've been asking y'all to leave those somebody, somebody out there actually listens to the show and is a a good person. And here's my plea for help and, and followed through. So this comes from a Titans fan in Connecticut. I love this left a five-star review. And he said, no one loves their own work title more than Easton. Keep it up, which fair. That's fair. I do. I, I do mention that at the top of every show. Um, And so that's that's fair. Thank you so much for leaving the five star review. Thank you for listening. I'll go ahead and take the time now to say if you listen to this show regularly or even if this is your first time, I promise it's going to be a five star performance. You're going to like the rest of this show. We got a lot of information to bring to you, but please go and give us a five star review. Leave a uh, leave a five star rating and then write whatever you want in the review. We will shout you out and read it on the show. It takes you 10 seconds. I know every show you've ever listened to has asked you to do that. Make this the one you actually follow through on because it means a lot to us. A small local show, smaller, not that small, smaller local show. um, It means a ton for future opportunities when you leave us those reviews. So just write anything. It takes you 10 seconds. We will love you forever for doing it. So that's enough selling of the show. Today, in the the big show, I want to try something out. I thought about sending out an all call this week on Twitter for – some Q&A questions that that we wanted to address on the show this week. But as I I went to do so, I thought, man, there are a handful of things that I really want to talk about this week. And frankly, I just don't trust you heathens to ask the right questions. I don't. So I did you a solid. I asked the questions for you. This is fake questions, real answers. And producer JT, he's going to run these questions that you all asked, that I asked myself. um by me here and we're gonna we're gonna address them so jt are you ready for fake questions real answers
1: i'm ready to go
0: all right what's the first question
1: so we're gonna start off here with how you've been a long advocate for the titans replacing dennis daly on the offensive line this is true and if they were to do it who should it be and will they actually make a change at all
0: so been beating this drum obviously on this show on any other work that i've done written video, audio, otherwise, for a couple of weeks now. Dennis Daly at Left Tackle has to go. In preparation for today's show, I went to PFF.com, and I checked to see where they had him graded, because last I checked, he was 70th out of 72 starting tackles in the league. Well, I went today, and I saw that he had fallen, not to 72nd, but to 75th out of 72 starting tackles. PFF has two backup tackles which granted Dennis Daly is a backup, but he's starting now graded ahead of Dennis Daly, including all, so it's all the starters in the league, every single starter and then two backups. And then it's Dennis Daly at the bottom of the pit. He's so bad. If you want visual confirmation of how bad he is. And if you have eyes and you watch the games, that should be all you need. But if you want to check the tape, go and listen to the Mike Herndon show. Any of the last three episodes we've done, it'll be on YouTube by now. If you're listening on Friday, From yesterday's show, we once again looked into some Dennis Daly tape and evaluated how he is just a game breaker and they have to make a change. I have been hashtag anything but daily for a little bit now. The two questions you asked are two very different ones. Who should it be and will they do it? I'll start with will they do it because it's a shorter answer. Unfortunately... If you read any of Jim Wyatt's work, who Jim has been very kind to me on the beat, love Jim, long time, great guy, obviously. And he's the most connected by virtue of being an employee of the team. So what he says is typically an insight into some of the stuff that even those of us on the press pool beat don't quite get. We're not privy to all of the information he is. He continues to hint in all of his written work that. He doesn't think the Titans are going to be making a change at left tackle in anytime soon. And, and, and specifically, he's he's not too warm on the idea that they may look at Dylan Raidens. Now, I, I highly recommend you go and watch the Mike Herndon show from yesterday because we looked at both Daly and Raidens, and Raidens had a sneaky good game. I have a little mea culpa here. We spent a lot of Monday's episode this week talking about how I thought Raidens had a really poor game on sunday and that's really just a reflection of how hard it is to evaluate offensive line performance in the game live television copy it's brutal even for people far more qualified than i to evaluate offensive line performance it is really tough without the film to go and and look at how an offensive tackle performs now if they're just a turnstile and they allow five sacks that much you can tell from the tv copy but the nuance of it that's tough, and so I, I we came out of that that game having not seen any of the advanced stats, not seeing any of the uh, the the game film. We didn't know exactly how well he played, but to me, in real time, it looked bad. Then on Monday, we got, later in the day, some of those advanced analytics, and it turned out, hey, he had a good grade, the best grade, actually, in many respects, for the Titans offensive line in this game, and then the film came out, and you looked and you said, wow, okay, so he had two or three kind of bad brain fart moments, some mental errors that that aren't great, and kind of blew up some plays a little bit. Um, one of them, I think, was more just a Colts made a great play than him making it an error, but other than that, he was really effective. He was a plus in the run game. Here's, here was my evaluation when I looked into it. I talked a, a little bit about this on the Mike Herndon show, and this I actually heard Greg Cosell, I believe on uh, the Buck Rising podcast, the download uh, or the install rather in the last 24 hours, he talked about this as well. And, and if you you don't have to trust my word on it, trust Greg Cosell's obviously. Um, but he kind of saw the same thing that I did. Raiden's struggles a bit in his blocking particular, particularly the run blocking when he is, in solo blocking responsibilities. When he is one-on-one, he's kind of hit or miss. But when he is given a teamwork responsibility, oftentimes when he's given a duo blocking responsibility, which is just double teams across the board on the line, he is a real plus. And of course, like, yeah, duh, guy's going to work with another guy to go two-on-one. They're going to be good. But he's he's better than you'd even expect most guys to be in those duo blocking assignments and his ability to, to climb to the next level and pick up a linebacker linebacker off of a, a duo block or, um, you know, shed shed his initial block off to a uh, another lineman next to him and move up and block downfield is really great. He's the best, I think on the team at it besides Aaron Brewer, who obviously his build allows him to do that. Raiden's is an athlete in that way. And the Titans run out of duo a lot. So, there were a number of instances where you're like, wow, this guy actually could be a significant addition to this team in the run blocking game. I fully believe, and Mike Herndon agrees. And I think anybody with eyeballs should also agree. They need to give Dylan Raiden's a chance at left tackle. They need to do it. He's the guy on this team that I want to see play there. Now we've seen him play at left tackle once with the Titans. He started. The Thursday night game against San Francisco last year. He was serviceable, not great, but he was serviceable, significantly better than anything Daly has done this year. We saw him in college and all through high school. Before his NFL career, all he had done was play left tackle. So it's the position that's most natural to him. When Nate Davis comes back and he no longer has to fill in at the right guard position like he has the last two games, he needs to be given a shot at left tackle. Now, unfortunately, to circle back to Jim Wyatt, he doesn't think that they're going to do that. For some reason, whatever the reason may be, he does not see the Titans giving Raidens that chance, which is really unfortunate, and I think that they should. Listen, If the reason they're not going to give him that chance is because they're going to give La Raven Clark that chance. We've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Go to last week's shows. We've talked about this already. Fine. Make it Clark. I don't care. Clark, Raidens, whoever. Not Dennis Daly. Can't be Dennis Daly. Can't do it. Have to do something else. Anything else. Because we're at the point now where there is no, well, the grass isn't always greener. It can't It can't be less green. The grass can't be more dead. It can't be worse than what Daly has given this team. So they have to move on. I think it should be Raidens. If it's Clark, fine. If they make a move to trade for somebody who we'll talk about here in a moment, fine. But anybody but Daly. Next question.
1: One of the biggest topics of debate this week online is Kyle Phillips being placed on IR. It looked like he was coming back, but now, of course, the wide receiver will miss the next four to five games until he's eligible to come back. A couple of those being pretty substantial and pivotal games in the Titans' schedule. However, do you think he was overrated in hindsight coming out at the beginning of the season?
0: Absolutely not. I think this is a ridiculous line of questioning I I'm not about subtweeting people on this show. I think that's childish. I'm also not about, um, not allowing people to defend themselves. And for you, for you, the listener to be able to hear both sides of an argument. So I highly encourage you to go to my Twitter, find just search Easton freeze Kyle Phillips. And the most recent tweets will be this conversation that I and Teron Davenport covering the team for ESPN had with Tic Tac Titans is the account. Um, we we just I forget how exactly it came up, but um the the Tic Tac Titans account his name is Tyler by the way Tyler he and I don't I'm not if I end up mischaracterizing his argument please refer to his words on on Twitter go find the thread and read it but his argument essentially was that oh look another wide receiver for the Titans that was overhyped in the preseason now going to IR and not contributing. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't see how Kyle Phillips was overhyped when, when he's been healthy, he's been nothing but impressive. The reason that the hype around Kyle Phillips, a fifth round draft pick wide receiver out of UCLA, the reason that he was hyped up so much was because it was clear to everybody in the preseason and in training camp that this guy was going to be a dude. He's got skills. He's refined. For a rookie in particular, he is more pro-ready than most, and he's going to contribute to this team immediately. What did he do? In the first game, he contributed to this team immediately. He led the team, I believe, in targets and receptions in that game. I believe he also led the team in yards in that game. He was Ryan Tannehill's safety blanket in that Giants game. He was the reason that they got down the field and into field goal position at the end of the game to win. They ultimately didn't. It was his contributions in the two-minute offense there at the end that allowed them to get into position. It was also his contribution at the very last play, the, the last play he made that was a catch that, that ultimately put them in position to kick the field goal where he fell out of bounds and hurt his shoulder. And since then, we've talked about it. He's not been the same. He's been hurt. They've held him out of some games. They've limited his snap count significantly in some games. He was not right. He looked to be finally back to normal last week. After the bye, he'd had extended rest, and he looked like he was ready to go until either Thursday or Friday last week. He was added midweek to the injury report with, an, with a hamstring injury that ultimately was a tweak significant enough for them to decide to put him on IR. So he is now out for a minimum of four games. I think that he'll be back. It's just a hamstring injury for a really young guy. It's not something that, unless he tore it, should should last all that long. But we don't know, so I'll reserve that judgment. Needless to say, I think he's going to be back and contribute. How is how can a player be overrated if all they've done when they're healthy is meet expectations? You cannot account for injury in your rating of a player's talent. Your talent evaluation and your projection in terms of what they're going to contribute to a team, you can make educated guesses with health, but with fluky things with injuries and especially the injuries of, of his Uh, the, the nature of the injuries that he's had so far, right? Like part of the argument that was made online was that, well, what do you expect from a fifth round rookie? That's slender slot only guy. He's quick, but he's small and he's fragile, small, fragile, little fifth round wide receiver. What are you talking about? That shoulder injury had nothing to do with his size. When you just do a basic inquiry into the, the AC joint injury that he had, you'll realize that, Oh, the shoulder, whether you're absolutely chiseled and have a massive frame or have the smallest, most slender frame in the world, that's an element of the human anatomy that is not well protected. And actually, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. So if he'd been a bigger, stronger, better-built receiver, he probably still would have had that same injury. It had nothing to do him being pushed out of bounds and falling on his shoulder with his fragility. And then a hamstring injury, we see big— re- Hello, Julio Jones has uh, the world's worst hamstrings at this point. Big receiver DeAndre Hopkins, big receivers have hamstring issues just as much as small receivers. Tweaking a hamstring has nothing to do with your size or your fragility. So that's a ridiculous point. It's a ridiculous point. You can't have projected that a new young rookie guy was going to deal with these fluky injuries to begin his career. Also, let me check my watch. We're only seven games into the season. Excuse me, six for the Titans, seven weeks of the season in of this guy's rookie year. Are we really going really to bang the gavel after less than half of a season on this guy having been overrated? We we don't know what he's going to pan out to be. We don't even know what his contribution this season is going to look like. This is akin to deciding that Bud Dupree is a complete and utter bust before last week's game and there's no way that he's going to contribute in any way to this Titans team by the end of the year. Baloney, man, did you see last week? Bud Dupree was maybe the best player on the field on either side of the ball, okay? Injuries in the NFL are inevitable. They come at weird times. It obviously sucks for Kyle Phillips that he has dealt with these two injuries at the beginning, beginning of his otherwise very promising career. But to be overrated, you have to perform significantly worse than you were expected to. And when Kyle Phillips has performed for this team, albeit a very small sample size so far, but in training camp, in the preseason, and in his first game, he's done nothing but live up to expectations. So it's a ridiculous question. Kyle Phillips is not overrated.
1: And it's, it's just foolishness. It's foolishness. Next question. So on our first two questions, we kind of talked about two areas of the Titans' roster here that is lacking a little bit of depth of course the wide receiver position is missing two of their top targets on that receiving core and on this line however on tuesday is the trade deadline do you foresee the titans making any moves and if so are there any guys in mind you think they should go out for
0: so it's an interesting question like you said trade deadline on the horizon really two fundamental questions here should they And would they? I'll go ahead and say, would they? I think no. I don't think that they're going to make a move. Um, It's just the vibe. I I don't have any intel on that. It's just the vibe that I'm getting from this team, talking to Mike Vrabel a little bit, looking at his answers to certain things during the week in press conferences, just knowing the nature of John Robinson, who's not afraid to make trades. But um, I find it interesting. I I think the trade deadline is, is an interesting time to be able to psychoanalyze the, the mindset of these front offices, and that's kind of where I my bread is buttered a little bit. I think just evaluating the mindset and the storylines surrounding the league, that is what I find most fascinating. And that's why I love the trade deadline, because you can kind of, based on the actions of these front offices, tell how they perceive themselves. And that's what we're trying to figure out, right? What are these teams? We, we think we have a grasp on what they are. What do they think they are? Because sometimes it's not the same answer. And it can give you some insight into what their expectations for themselves are this season and going forward. With the Titans right now, they're not in a position to be making trades for one-year rental type guys. They're not in a position to be making trades for players that are going to not reasonably contribute to this team beyond this year. In order to be in a position to make those kind of moves, you have to be a 2021 Los Angeles Rams, a 2022 Buffalo Bills or Philadelphia Eagles. We've seen these teams make these trades. The Eagles, for example, going and getting another pass rusher from Chicago when they don't even really need one. But they're all in this year. Howie Roseman has pushed his chips to the middle of the table, as he should with a young uh, a, a young uh, quarterback on a rookie contract, as well as studs all around him and a really, really well-constructed roster. He's put his chips in the middle of the table on this year. He He's trying to win it all. And that's the right move. The Titans aren't in that position. They don't have one hole here, one hole there. They have holes in a number of places. And they're also in a, like we've talked about all year long, a transitional position. This is a transitional year. This is a pivot year for them. So they, they, could make trades, and this team could improve via the trade market at the trade deadline, but it would need to be for guys that could reasonably contribute beyond this year. That's what made um, that's what made DJ Moore, for example, look so attractive because he was a guy that if they were to make a move for him, which I, I think has kind of fallen by the wayside at this point, I don't think Moore's going anywhere in Carolina, but we'll see it would have been a situation where he'd be on contract with the team and they would have expected, at the very least, for him to be a multi-year guy that stuck around for a while. Well, there's not a whole lot of that out there right now, and that's what makes me think this team is not in a position to make a trade. Let's dive into their heads a little bit right now. What are the two glaring holes? And they've been this all year long. Well, it's the offensive line. It's the wide receiver room, right? Those are the two biggest weaknesses for this team. When the Titans brass and the Titans coaches look at their roster and see the trade deadline approaching, they're going to think, okay, we might have a move or two in, in us. We're not trying to go all in. We, we might make a savvy move here before the deadline to bolster one of these rooms. Where do we think we need it most? Well, let's look at wide receiver. First of all, we have to start from the baseline of this team does clearly not value wide receiver like the rest of the league does. That's not where their bread is buttered. On offense, they obviously value receivers, and they've made investments like a first-round pick in Traylon Burks, paying Robert Woods, drafting Kyle Phillips. Like they've made some moves there, but not like the rest of the league does, because they are running game, their physicality, their old brown-nose style football is is the way they prefer to play the game. And with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, you're kind of limited in terms of how many different mouths you can bring in to reasonably feed, because again, that's not what he does. He's a play action quarterback. We know what he is. He's not going to sling it around the yard 50 or 60 times a game. They have to look at this roster. I, I'm certain this is what they see. All right, well, we've got, we've got Robert Woods currently healthy on the team. Okay, cool. Check. We, we still really like in NWI. We want him to remain our third or fourth option. He's still healthy. Check. It's kind of bare right now. The cupboard is bare at wide receiver. But on the IR, we've got three guys that, we organizationally internally we believe are going to be contributors to this team most of them this year Traylon burks he's set to come back as early as week 10 right around the corner when denver comes to town and they have their next home game that guy's going to come back and we want him to be our wide receiver one or two and then kyle phillips assuming his hamstring injury isn't a big deal he'll come back in four weeks and, and he'll be back in the rotation as wide receiver two or three and then Raisin McMath, still a wild card, on the IR, eligible to come back whenever they deem him ready to come back. Now, will he come back this year? We don't know. The way they've talked about him, maybe not. But it kind of seems like those three guys being inserted back into the roster, that makes up a very young, talented core that they see as being enough for them to make do for now and, and be more satisfied at that position down the road the offensive line position the cupboard is very bare and their reinforcements aren't coming. Taylor Juan is done, probably done as a titan. Dennis Daly has to go. They're still trying to figure that out. Nate Davis, they need to be back in the rotation. They need uh they need Ben Jones to remain healthy. They need uh NPF to continue to develop. That's about all they have in terms of options. The depth beyond that is gruesome. It's bad. Um so who's out there? Well, kind of two guys and Isaiah Wynn from new England. I don't see as a great option. He's an option. Um, he, He'd be, he'd be fine. I just don't, I don't know if the fit is right. Andre Dillard with the Eagles is the one, if they made a move, that'd be the one I think most likely to be made. Now, granted, he's a guy that may end up being a one-year rental because he's only got this last year on his contract and then they'd have to pay him. So they may not make the move for that reason. And that will make total sense to me. But if they do make a move, he's a guy that is a starting caliber now perceived healthy uh, tackle that can come in and play for this team and play at a at a, a high level and be the maybe even the saving grace of these, this offensive line. So they may make a move there. I don't know if the draft compensation is going to make sense for them, but we have a history between John Robinson and Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles. They've made trades before. That's the one I think that's most likely to happen. That being said. I lean towards they're not going to make a move and we'll have to see with the deadline approaching. Next question.
1: Someone who's really broken out this season is tier tart. What have you thought about him on this early season and how do you think he's going to perform throughout the rest of the season?
0: I have two overarching thoughts on tier tart. One you'll like one. You won't the one that you'll like is that Tier Tart is the most improved player on this Titans roster, and he is a living testimony to how fantastic this entire Titans organizational operation is at defensive line. And I'll go into detail in that on that here in a moment. The thing that you won't like is, I think, very strongly, I believe, you should really enjoy Tier Tart while he's around because I do not think he will be around very long. Let me explain. First of all, the reason he is such a fantastic testament to what these guys do and these two things tie in well with each other, because I think the reason that they aren't going to be able to hang on to him for very long is directly correlated with the fact that they do this so well. They find tier tarts. Regularly, seemingly, they find fantastic defensive line depth talent from the undrafted free agent pool. On a regular basis in the last couple of years. And and this this coaching staff and this front office should be commended for how well they do that. They're kind of building their team right now around that defensive line, and it's paying dividends. You got Tier Tart and Jeffrey Simmons absolutely owning people up the middle. And Tier Tart has made a dramatic leap this season. He looks like a top 10 guy. Statistically, he is a top 10, maybe even top five guy at this point at his position, at the interior pass rush, the interior defensive lineman position. He's a stud, and for two years before this season, he was one of those guys. Hey, man, J. Rob found a gem in the undrafted free agent market. That's a that's a feel good story. Tear Tart, look at that, getting a couple snaps a game, making the most out of them. That's great. He's taken a dramatic leap this year. He's no longer a feel good story. He's a stud. He's a bona fide star. He, he's tremendously strong and big. He looks like a budget version of Jeffrey Simmons out there. He's fantastic, and for that reason. I think that beyond this year the Titans will he's going to be a restricted free agent which means the Titans will be able to put a uh, a tender on him which will keep him with the team on a 3 million ish dollar salary should they put a second round tender on him unless another team is willing to give up a second round draft pick to to acquire Tier Tart in free agency he will remain with the Titans and I don't think anybody's going to be willing to make that trade especially if they're smart enough to look at the Titans roster situation and realize, ah, beyond this year, Tart's probably not going to be around. He's probably going to be available and we'll be able to just pay him because he's going to get paid at this rate. He is making a case for himself to be paid top 10, maybe top five at his position after next season, because beyond then I don't think the Titans are going to be able to justify paying the ungodly sum of money that they're eventually going to pay to Jeffrey Simmons and then spending even that much more on the interior defensive line. And the part of that is just the economics of it, the money. The math isn't going to make sense probably. But even if they could make it make sense, and this is a shrewd business position, why would you fork over the money for that guy when you've got a Jeffrey Simmons, you've got that cornerstone, and you have now a multi-year track record of being really good at finding, bringing in, developing, coaching, molding, creating these stars, or at the very least, these high-end rotational pieces on the defensive line, like they have. You see Mario Edwards come in, get coached up, and be really flashing in in his first couple games with the Titans. That's impressive. It looks like coaching to me. You look at Naquan Jones, who came in undrafted free agent, made some splashes. He's kind of fallen off a little bit, but... He was serviceable in his first couple of years. Uh, Laurel Murchison was the same way before he kind of got passed up by guys like Jones and like Tart. Deshaun Hand, like the the list goes on and on. They are very deep at this position, and they are very good at finding these guys. So I think for those reasons, you should enjoy Tier Tart while he lasts because I don't think that he will be a Titan beyond next year. Next question.
1: Let's talk about Ryan Tannehill. Of course, there's a lot of speculation about, will he play this week? Will he not? Do the Titans even need him? How important is he to this matchup this week?
0: I'll address the, do they need him part first? Because that's another ridiculous internet line of reasoning. I've seen a couple, and this has not been a lot of people, luckily not many are dumb enough to think this, but a lot of folks, a number, a a few folks, a a few number of folks I've seen on the internet the past couple days talk about, Hey, just, he got Kansas City on the horizon, Sunday night football. You're going to need Tannehill in that game for sure. So just even if he can go, rest him in Houston. You should be able to win that game with the run game and Malik Willis. Just kind of make a, a chess move, calculated move here. Let Ryan sit. Uh-uh. Don't do that. Stop. That's not how this is going to work. It's, it's bound to be a failure if that's what they do. Now, could they win with Malik Willis against Houston? They could. They could, they'd still be the better roster top to bottom, excuse me, but, um, they, they need Tannehill. Willis is not ready. Um, I think that that's still eminently clear. I don't think that they're excited to move on to him anytime soon. Not to say that they're not excited about his development, but he's got a long way to go and Ryan Tannehill, they need him to play in this game. Houston is a frisky, frisky, frisky team. We've been talking about it all year, JT. What have we been, what have we been calling Houston? the highest ceiling competent team. It's what they are. I think that they're the highest ceiling competent team in the league. They're right above all of the incompetent teams, which there are a number of. They are in the, uh, they're in the back of the classroom of all of the competent teams. Now they lack some real talent at a number of positions. And so they're, it's just, they're very limited. Their ceiling is low and, and a couple mistakes, a game will cost them the game ultimately, but They play really disciplined football and they have some stars at some, some positions starting to emerge. And that's what makes them a really tricky, sneaky, scary opponent each week, regardless of who they're facing. They've not been blown out pretty much at all this year. They've been in most every game they've, they, they have played. And in any divisional matchup, you always know that divisional games are weird. They are always closer than you think they should be. So the Titans have to be, wary of the Texans in this game they need Tannehill out there his injury status we'll get to a little bit later it's kind of up in the air but they need him there so I think the first part of the question on what his situation is with the injury let's kind of bump that to the injury report in the news segment today we don't know a ton but we know some and uh, we'll talk about that then next question
1: Of course, we've talked a lot about just personnel and the trade deadline so far, but let's talk about the matchup at hand. As you said, this Houston Texans team should not be written off so quickly. But let's talk about, as you said, there are a couple of key pieces on that team that might be a little tricky for the Titans. Which one scares you the most in this matchup this week? JT, who am I about to say? I I honestly don't know. Maybe, oh, well... I want to say it's your boy, Damian Pierce, but that's me. Of course it's
0: Damian Pierce. Of course it's Damian Pierce. It's always been Damian Pierce. I love Damian Pierce. I think he's a stud. Is there fantasy bias in there? Definitely. But also, even if I did not have him on my fantasy team, use your eyeballs, kids. He's a real NFL running back. He's got so much tread on those tires. He's explosive. I think him and Ken Walker and Brees Hall before he went down, looked like they were rounding into form as a really, really nice rookie class of running backs. And I think here's a take for you. I am significantly, if I'm the Titans, I'm significantly more concerned with what Damian Pierce does to my defense than what Jonathan Taylor does to my defense. Damian Pierce is for sure the scarier running back at this moment. I, I think it's without question. He is, he has been, on some Sundays, their entire offense. He's capable of doing that. And his blocking situation, the guys he's running behind, significantly better than that of Jonathan Taylor. Significantly, uh, maybe not significantly, but I think better than maybe. I think that the offensive line, run blocking, combined with the running ability of Damian Pierce, I think it's definitely the best the Titans have faced all season. And I'm including Saquon Barkley in that. Saquon looks great. I think he's a better running back right now, but I don't think his I don't think his run blocking right now is as good. Really, as the Texans. Now that's granted if they're all healthy, and there are some Texans linemen on the injury report, so that could be a good thing for the Titans. But Damian Pierce, you got to look out for him in this game. The Titans have a really, really stout run defense. I think it's been actually I know it's been the best in the league for the past four games on their four game winning streak. It is far and away the best run defense in the league. In, those, in, the, in the last month, it's going to be tested against Damian Pierce. And I think we're really going to find out um, a little heat check right here. Are the Titans nearly as good in the run defense as they've looked in the last month? Damian Pierce is going to be a problem. I guarantee you this week on the whiteboard in the game plan room in, in the Titans uh, St. Thomas Ascension Park, they have a list of names circled at the top of the whiteboard. Damian Pierce is one of those guys. Guarantee it. Next
1: question. And our final question of this little segment here, let's step away from football at all. And let's talk about this new stadium project. Of course. Yeah. um, We're going to pull up some pictures here. And if you want to see these pictures and follow along with what we're looking at, we do. And now have this show on YouTube. So go on over and look at us there, but let's look at some of these renders that of course came out earlier this week. And what are your thoughts about them? Um, What is your reaction to all of this coming out? And, How do you feel about it?
0: I love it. I think the general response from what I saw online was was overwhelmingly positive, which is great. The Titans and Manica, the architectural firm that's in charge of designing this building, really took a, a leap of faith here with the design of this field house. Because frankly, whenever you build a stadium like this, that is a little bit, I mean, the outside, the facade is different than what you expect from a stadium you're always taking a little bit of a gamble that people are going to respond poorly to that. Well, they didn't because I think that they did a fantastic job of building a, an elegant looking, not ridiculous for a stadium. Like they, they really towed the line between, Hey, this is a stadium and it looks like a stadium, but also it doesn't look like a traditional stadium on the outside, but also you don't look at it and you think, what is that a big warehouse? Like what, what are they doing there? Like, no, it's a stadium. It's it's a, it's a football it's a football stadium and and it's the architectural design I think perfectly encapsulates Nashville. Like we we talked about this a little bit before the designs came out. We wanted them to go with something that was not generic, was not bland. Something that was going to be not just iconic and recognizable, but also you look at it and you think, "Ah, that looks like Tennessee. That looks like Nashville." And I think they nailed it. I think the exterior the the modern look of it it's kind of mike herndon compared it to like a, a, a chip and jojo joanna gaines look it's kind of like a modern antebellum i think is a great way to put it i love the terraces on the outside because part of the thing that people disliked about the the domed element of the stadium is well tennessee has some really nice days has some nice weather sometimes in the south here we we prefer to have football played outside and we like being able to enjoy the elements on game day Well, they put like big wraparound porches around the whole building on multiple levels. So you're going to be able to get that indoor-outdoor experience, kind of the best of both worlds on game days. And it's going to be an awesome community hangout. It kind of reminds me of all of the the growing popularity in hotel rooftop bars and restaurants in Nashville. So that's another kind of Nashville tie-in that I really love here. I love, 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 love that they went with the um the roof design like in SoFi so if you've not seen the pictures the, uh, I, the technology is something that the name of which I'm forgetting um off the top of my head but it's it's a full translucent roof across the top it's not like an opening like you'd see at NRG Stadium in Houston or like a sliding window um like you'd see in in Dallas or in uh, in Vegas rather like it's a full let the sunshine in from the entire roof situation, which is great. And it allows them to have this feel on the inside, despite it being a temperature controlled indoor stadium, it's going to feel like you're still outside. And that's great because I hate the domes in the NFL. When you look at like, like in new Orleans, whenever you watch the saints play in prime time, they get those cutaway shots up into the stands. And I just always look up there like, man, I wonder how far it goes because it's pitch dark and I can't see anything. I see four people in the first four rows. And then the rest of it is just this black void. You can tell even when they're just looking at the field from the the camera angles, you're like, man, it's dark in there. Like it's, it looks like the players are on a Broadway stage and their audience is up in the darkness. Um, I'd imagine if you're not in the first four rows, you like turn your phone on in there and the people behind you are like, "Hey, turn that light off." I'm trying to watch the game—that is weird to me. I hate that in football. I love this because the entire stadium is going to be lit up um, when it's prime time. Of course, you'll get the night sky, and so you'll be under the lights. So it won't feel—it won't feel artificial in that way either. You're really—they—they did their best to let all the elements in, and I love that about the look. Now we have to—we have to point out that it does, in fact, look like a giant Top Golf. Or a giant Whole Foods, which is hilarious and I love it. Um, I think Top Golf is the most accurate description so far because it, it really does look a lot like the Top Golf architecture. But Whole Foods is really funny because it looks like a giant Whole Foods. And also the AFC South now, JT made a hilarious meme. It's slowly being taken. Yeah, <laughs> here it is. If you're watching on YouTube, it's slowly being taken over by giant mutant freak versions of. Uh, Grocery stores. You got the giant, ugly, oversized Kroger that is Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Now you got the Whole Foods market coming to Nashville in 2026. Are we going to see? I mean, Publix is the natural fit, obviously, for Jacksonville. Their next stadium, if they ever build another one here and not in London. I think it should be a a giant Publix-looking building. I think that they should continue the trend. And then JT, clever. Wegmans for NRG Stadium. I think it fits. Um, so we've got the AFC South is now just grocery stores, which is hilarious to me. And uh, yeah, that's my reaction. I love it. I think it's going to be great. We've got a long time to wait to figure out all the details about it. And there's um, we're going to be talking about it for years now. But um, that's those are my thoughts. And though that is the end of the segment. Fake questions, real answers. I really enjoyed that. We're for sure doing that segment again. But for now, we got to move on. Let's get to the news with producer JT.
1: let's hop into the news here and of course the first thing that we're going to talk about is this thursday injury report and although the titans had a early buy this year in week six that injury report grew back to the same size it has been all season did not matter um a couple of bad news a couple of things for the titans let's start with the bad news is jeffrey simmons and rashad weaver both logged two non-practices this week of course jeffrey simmons is nursing that ankle injury and rashad Weaver is has a back injury do you think they're going to play at all this week and if they don't how big of an impact is it for this titans team
0: weaver i have no idea and if he can't play um it's a big deal uh you know they they are super thin at that outside linebacker edge position so they they need him With Simmons, you know, I I don't know, but I'll give you the context that I have, and I'm not a doctor, not gonna play doctor, but here's my frame of reference. In the locker room on Sunday, when I was in there after the game, Ryan Tannehill, Jeffrey Simmons, both had ankle injuries. Tannehill hobbling around looked really worse for wear, looked like he was in a lot of pain. Simmons, you couldn't tell he had an ankle injury, looked fine, said he was fine, didn't seem to be in any pain. I think that they're just giving him time. Jeffrey Simmons is gathering nothing from practice at this point right now. He doesn't need to be out there really at all. Besides just the walkthroughs and the game planning, he'll get all of that without practicing. So I think they're just letting him heal up that, that ankle as best as possible. And they know he doesn't need the practice. I think he's gonna play.
1: Been looking at a couple of things that are good news for the Titans this week. Let's start with Ryan Tannehill, who did log a limited participation today at Thursday practice. And then, of course, Nate Davis also logging two limited participations this week. And then a couple of other guys, smaller guys on this list, uh, David Long, Zach Cunningham, and Joe Jones all participating today. So that's some good news for that defensive depth if either Simmons or Weaver cannot go this week. Yep, we'll find out more on Friday, but it's really,
0: it's to me, it's simmons Tannehill. And Nate Davis are the, are the keys. Nate Davis needs to be back this week. I think that he will be, but I thought that last week, so we will see. Him being limited in practice doesn't tell us a whole lot. With Simmons, like I said, I think he's going to play. And then Tannehill, don't know, man. I, I think that he will. He's a he's a test. He's a test. He's a tough sob. And if he can play, I think that he will. To me, and again, not to play doctor, but this is the. This is what I'm gathering from, from absorbing all this information. I think it's just a standard ankle sprain. It's not a, it's, it's clearly not a high ankle sprain, which would be much worse. Um, it's significant enough that it's, you know, hindering him, but I think I mean, everybody's sprained their ankle, right? Think to the last time you had, uh, you know, a, a rough ankle sprain where you didn't have to you know get a cast or anything, but it's just like, man, I, I'm gonna throw a brace on there. I can't do anything athletic for a little bit. I'm kind of nursing it. Um, that's what I kind of think he's dealing with, which to me is just a pain management thing and a a liberal usage of tape each and every Sunday, which they'll probably tape him up real good, and he won't be able to feel his toes, but if he can stand, he'll probably be out there and just not be
1: nearly as mobile. Let's move to the Houston Texans side of this injury report. A couple of notables that have logged two DMPs this week. Defensive lineman Malik Collis, Collins with a chest injury, and then of course Nico Collins, the wide receiver with a groin injury. Of course, there's been some talk this week about Mike Vrabel calling Nico Collins a very good wide receiver. Mike Vrabel has a crush on Nico he Collins. really does. Baby. So but he has a he be... has a,
0: a crush on anybody who can block at the receiver position. And he makes exactly. Nico Collins the best blocking receiver in the game, which granted, he's fantastic.
1: Yes, but maybe a good thing for the Titans this week if Nico Collins cannot go. A couple of things on the offensive line. Of course, we were talking about Damian Pierce, um, how important that offensive line is for the Texans. Offensive lineman Kenyon Green went back to a full participation um, on Thursday. Justin McCray, another offensive lineman, logged a limited participation. And then another offensive lineman for them, AJ Cann, did not practice with an illness today.
0: Yeah, the biggest names on there are definitely Nico Collins and um, and Green, Kenyon Green, their, their rookie offensive lineman. He's a starter. He's been struggling, but if they have to have a backup, that'll be a big deal for their line to have a backup in there. And uh, with Nico Collins, I don't think he's going to play. Doesn't look like he's going to play. But if he does, that'll be another physical element to their game.
1: Moving back to Let's Talk About the Importance of Tannehill out there of course just a little stat to throw out to you Tannehill's all-time record as a Titan versus the AFC South is 15-3 and so it's if, it's, if it's really important for him to be out there if you didn't think it was that important for him to be out there it clearly is it's against important. this Texans team with that great record there moving on to a couple of wide receiver moves that they've made this week of course we talked about um Kyle Phillips going on the IR however the Titans did sign a wide receiver signing Chris Conley from the Chiefs practice squad um Chris Conley 30 years old has kind of become this journeyman in the league his best seasons are kind of behind him in 2018-2019 although last year in 2021 he did log 20 receptions for 332 yards and two touchdowns with the Houston Texans Do you think this move will have any impact this week and going forward for the Titans?
0: Well, it's going to have some impact this week because unlike the past couple big name kind of washed up guys, the Titans have signed a receiver in Golden Tate and then Josh Gordon this season. Conley's on the active roster. I don't know. I think people didn't quite catch that. He wasn't signed to the practice squad. You can't sign somebody from another team's practice squad to your practice squad. So the Titans signed him to the active roster off of the Jaguars practice squad. Like you said, the last team he played for is the Texans. So he's going to know a lot about this team. He's going up against his most recent former team this week, and and he's going to play in some capacity because he's going to be out there. Um, in 2019, he had a big season. That wasn't that long ago. I could see him being an element. He's certainly not going to be a savior for this team, but he's what the Titans want in a receiver. He he said this week he only knows how to play one way, which is full speed and in, extremely physically. And that is, I mean, if if you want to describe what Mike Vrabel and John Robinson look for at the receiver position, that is it. Um, so I think that he's going to play, and we'll see what kind of impact he has. It, it won't be nothing, and frankly, with the state of their wide receiver room right now, I think he's a welcome addition.
1: Moving on to someone who also loves to play hard and fast against this Houston Texans team, King no Henry. Kidding let's talk about his average averages over the last three games he's played against the Houston Texans. Let's he's averaging about. 29.3 carries in those three games for an average of 224 yards. And he scored at least two touchdowns <laughs> in games against the Houston Texans. I mean, he's just been a madman against them. And so, look for so him to play very well this week.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's a fair bet. Just to put those in other words, he's only averaging – the as the greatest running back in the history of the league against the texans is a fair way of putting that i think and um quite the feat so will we see another 200 yard performance i don't know but hey guess what this texans defense dead last in the league at the run stop so it's gonna be a big one for king henry and if you have him on your fantasy team probably gonna have a good week
1: Moving on, let's talk about just something that was kind of funny this week. Let's talk about Bud Dupree and a couple of his comments that he had for this Titans team. This is from uh, Sam Phelan on Twitter. Friend of the Um, show. He talked about uh, Bud Dupree identifying how the Titans have won four games in a row now. He said, you got a bunch of goons. 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 on the Goon goon head coach. (laughs) He said that goons get the last punch and make sure their punches count
0: that is that's what goons do man goon head coach is the part that's the cherry on top for me i think it's that's really hilarious funny. um but you i mean he's he's also not wrong this team is a bunch of goons and on the defensive front which we've talked a lot about on this show they are a lot of goons him and jeffrey simmons and rashad weaver and Tier tart and Danico autry like there's some dogs up there and they hunt in a pack and they are kind of the goon squad and when they're rolling it's a problem for other teams and mike vrabel I mean, it's funny but also he is guy i mean he's it, he's that kind of guy. He's kind of a goon, if that's the, what we're defining goon as. So uh, this is a team that, if you had to boil their identity down, that physicality, that ferociousness, that mindset, they're a bunch of goons.
1: One last thing before we get out of here on this news segment—not going to in, like kind of impact the Titans this week, but something to keep on your radar as they go into a very pivotal matchup against the Chiefs next week. Of course, we're already talking about the Chiefs because. Can't give the Texans too much respect, you know, on a Titans show here. We can't overlook the Texans, man. Can't do it. Yeah, but 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 we're also going to. We are going to. (laughs) Let's talk about something that Adam Schefter reported in that Frank Clark has been suspended for two games, of course, missing this week, and also will be missing next week's game against the Titans. Yep. Anything you want to say about that? How big of an impact it will be for the Titans next week?
0: Massive, massive deal because he's their best pass rusher. He's maybe had his best season to date in his career this year. I'd have to go check and be sure, but he's been a top five player at his position so far this year. He's been mauling people. The Titans offensive line struggles against the the top rated guys. Those, those A++ pass rushers, they are not in a position to defend those guys right now. Um, So it's a massive deal. We'll talk more about it next week, but that's huge for them. All right. That is JT with the news. All right, producer JT, it is time for my favorite segment of the week. As always, the best bet gauntlet. We have a real close race on our hands. Let me tell you, I have had three straight struggling weeks. Coming in at two and three. Research JT after a one and four start in both of his first two weeks. has been on a tear and has caught all the way back up. We are now, I lead by a half pick. 17, 16, and two. You are at 17, 17, and one. Both kind of drawing dead right now in terms of making money. But we're going to continue to make money as the season goes on. And this could be a pivotal week for us. In terms of who takes the lead in the competition, of course, all of our picks documented on social media, BroadwaySportsMedia.com, either of our Twitter accounts at JT underscore Runkey at Eastern Freeze or the show account at Hot Read Pod. You should be following that if you aren't already. Let's get into our picks this week because last week I lost once again. I have the first pick before just that's what we in the industry call it tease before we get into that i gotta let you know that if you are a business owner in middle tennessee or in nashville we have advertising opportunities both on this show as well as on our podcast network more broadly any of our other shows as well as on broadwaysportsmedia.com so we have got thousands of uh, readers tens of thousands of downloads and hundreds of thousands of social media impressions available to you. We would love to advertise with you. Hit us up via social media or via email. You can find that information on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. but you can hit up the Broadway Sports Media Facebook or Twitter accounts and uh, reach out. We'd love to talk to you about any advertising opportunities that we uh, we might have in store for you. So that's enough of the selling of the show. Just making sure I have all of my crossed and I's dotted. Yep, that's it. So let's talk about the best bets. My first pick this week, the first pick of the best bet gauntlet for week eight. I'm going with the Niners. Minus one and a half. On the road, in air quotes, against LA. We know that this is not really a road game for the Niners when they're playing in LA. They have more fans than the Rams do, frankly. And the Niners have always in the regular season had the number of Sean McVay and the Rams. Kyle Shanahan just owns him. McVay can't seem to figure him out. And I don't think that that's going to change, especially with the trajectory of these two teams, the Niners, coming off of a rough week, a couple of weeks, actually. I think with their injury situations, they're going to be bouncing back, trending in the right direction, and they need this win very badly. So they'll be motivated. The Rams, however, continue to seem to be striking dead to me. I, I, don't, I don't see anything about this team that makes me want to bet them or think that they're going to be competitive. Everything to me... Screams take the Niners as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm rolling with them all day, twice on Sundays. be the Niners minus one-and-a-half.
1: I really like that pick. You know, I was thinking about while you were saying that, I was like, yeah, I like the I like the Niners, but it's gonna be a close game. And then of course, we really hadn't had an opportunity to talk about this on the show, just with given the technical difficulties last week. But now CMC is a very big factor for that Niners offense. True. And I keep kind of forgetting that he is still on the Niners there. So I really yeah. like that pick. My first pick this week, I'm gonna go with the Miami Dolphins, minus three and a half going to Detroit to play the Lions. And while I had hope at the beginning of the season that Dan and the Motor City Kitties would just come out on fire, beat that win total, and prove that they can really play in this league like some of the other teams that have been surprising, it's just clear that they are still a couple of years away. Not to mention the injuries that they're dealing with, but also that defense has been horrid. I'm looking for Tua to get a second game under his belt and get this offense back on track. And I think they win this game by at least more than 3.5. All
0: right, with my second pick in the Best Bet Gauntlet for Week 8, give me the Jags minus 2.5. Now, they are playing a home game in my book. They're going to be in London, rise and shine this week against the who the heck are they playing Denver Broncos Denver Broncos thank you I couldn't find it the Denver Broncos um, despite Russell's high knees down the aisle of the plane this week I'm sure he's gonna be loose I no doubt he's for sure loose over there he's loose in London I don't see any reason why I'd be betting them, and the Jaguars—that's a home game for them over there in London, man. The NFL has been exporting their worst product for a couple of years now to London, and they've got a little cult following over there. There are more London Jacksonville fans, maybe, than NFL Jacksonville fans here in the U.S. Rather, I, I've not seen any uh, data to to support that. The, the claim. home the, that claim. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> that was I was. You could you hear It's tough there. <laughs> you, you could hear the panic in my voice too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't think that, that that's gonna be a uh, neutral field situation for them at all. I think the Jaguars will have the home field advantage. I think that they're a more competent. Actually, I know that they're a more competent team than the Broncos right now. And both teams are in need of a win. I'm just gonna pick the more competent team under a field goal. I love it. Give me the Jags minus two and a half
1: taking my second pick here it's one that uh I'm gonna take here that I don't love but I kind of like I'm gonna take the Raiders minus one here Mm. um, against the Saints going to the Saints and this is really just a story of a team that is getting their season back on track and a team that continues to spiral out of control the Saints look good sometimes but and, then Andy did, Dalton, and, and then Andy, Andy Dalton. Dalton does Andy Dalton things. And <laughs> as someone who has watched the Red Rifle throughout his lifetime here.
0: JT, Cincinnati native,
1: he Cincinnati knows. Cincinnati native. Seeing Andy Dalton, I just don't think they have enough. I think they're still nursing a lot of injuries. I think that is still a very banged up team. And despite uh, last week, I think the Raiders are starting to find their identity a little bit here and I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a little bit of a winning streak after their early buy so give me the Raiders to win this one basically in what I consider a pick I'm just outright at minus one
0: all right my third pick I'm riding with the commies baby plus three I'm not buying San Ellinger and the Colts I'm not buying them I mean really the only thing that scares me in this matchup is that You know, sometimes when you get that rookie QB bump, or uh, excuse me, new QB bump, Um, from a team the defense plays a little bit better but I'm just not buying it with this team I don't know if the Colts have given up they may have frankly who'd have thunk in week uh, eight that it would be Colts and commanders Taylor Heineke and Sam Ellinger and not Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz who both these teams traded for these these premier guys both of them on the bench for different reasons but uh I really like what heineke is really flawed he's imperfect he's not necessarily better than wentz but he's a he's got he's got dna that wentz doesn't have he's a gamer he's he's got a little bit of it factor that Wentz just really struggles with and and he's he's gonna he's a no risk it no biscuit kind of guy so I really like him and that full complement of weapons that he's gonna have this week against the Colts um so give me the commanders plus three love getting the full three there I'll take them to win outright
1: I wish I would have saw that one because I would have picked them. I totally (laughs) overlooked that team. Yeah. Going on, let's see, what do we got here on the board? I'm looking at this one mostly because I just think it's too many points simply this week. And there's a couple of those games. But the one I think has the most likelihood of being a game that just has too many points is this Cowboys-Bears game. Give me the Bears plus nine and a half. Mm. They're not a good team by any stretch of the imagination, but they have put up a fight in the couple of the game a couple of the last two or three weeks here and have surprised a couple people i'm taking them more so that i think it's a low scoring game and i also just don't know the true identity of this cowboys team with dak under center very give me the bears to at least not win this game but cover nine and a half points here
0: i like that play with my fourth pick i'm gonna ride with I'll ride with the Browns. And this is important to note. if you're going to get this number, you better get it now because by the time you're hearing this, it probably has already changed with the news that Jamar chase is probably headed to the IR. It definitely isn't playing in this game. Browns plus three in this divisional matchup is probably going to continue to shrink. I like getting them at the full field goal. Um, I like that, that push potential if things go sideways for me, but I just think I'm not fully bought in yet on the Bengals. I, I don't, I just don't know if they've really figured it out like people think that they figured it out. I could be proven wrong, but I, I, I don't think they've, they've not really, they've not beaten anybody recently that impresses me. And while the Browns certainly aren't impressive right now, I think the Browns are the kind of team that could stifle the Bengals, and as long as they don't turn the ball over, I kind of like them to be really competitive in this divisional matchup. So give me the Browns to cover with three points given to them.
1: Our first matchup of the week here, funny enough, um, because I will be taking the Bungles here at minus three, going up the road to Cleveland um of course it is a little unfortunate not having jamar and hopefully uh, vegas will see that and make this line even lower but i like them here at the three for a couple of reasons one um i think this might be the week where you finally i mean last week you saw joe burrow put up just another joe burrow-esque performance that we've seen in the past two years so far um, I think this is where this team rallies around that win last week and finally puts it all together. Another reason they're going to put it all together, they have a lot of people coming back from injury this week. One of the most notable is Trey Hendrickson on that defensive mm. line. I think he's going to make a massive, massive improvement to this defense here. And without Jamar, I mean, the weapons that they still have on this team, I think you forget that Tyler Boyd is their wide receiver number three. I think T. Higgins moves up to that wide receiver one, and Tyler Boyd is still a very, very dangerous weapon on that offense. So give me the Bengals minus three. And it's really funny, of course, with this Jamar thing. I Actually, someone just sent me a um, tweet from... Uh, Kelsey Conway, she's an Inquirer reporter, and she said that when she was speaking to some uh, people about sources about the Jamar Chase hip injury, they said the reason that the timeline is so up in the air regarding his return is that the team hopes because of his physical makeup, Jamar's hip will heal faster than the average person. So Jamar Chase is just, he's that dude. He's got that dog in him. and Maybe, I
0: guess. That's, and that's interesting. He's literally
1: just built different. <laughs> so give me give me the Bengals minus three in this
0: game. All right, with my fifth pick of the best bet gauntlet in week eight, give me the Cardinals plus three and a half. Rarely, rarely am I going to ride with my boy Cliff, but I love getting the hook here, and I like this spot for the Cardinals. If you look at the Cardinals um, with and without DeAndre Hopkins, the numbers are staggering. The, the splits with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, with and without DeAndre Hopkins, it's clearly massive. It's a massive deal for them. He's now got one game under his belt back this season. I think this week he's going to take another step. The Vikings are not a great team uh, in in defending these star wide receivers. So as much as I like the Vikings this year, and truly I do, I kind of see this as a spot. To bet the Cardinals, I really like this play. Give me the Cardinals with the hook at plus three and a
1: half. So it's not going to be like last week where we had three head-to-head matchups. But we are going to have two because we I am two. going to take the Vikings minus three and a half here. All right. Um, and more so for the reason that I just don't like to go against Kirk Cousins in a noon slash one o'clock spot at He's a home. The juggernaut. Here. <laughs> he the juggernaut. I think coming. Another reason is that they're at home and they're coming off the bye. I think that it's a high-scoring game for sure, Um, but I think that I'm going to pick this new-formed Vikings identity and team over a clipped Kingsbury-ran offense.
0: All right, so to recap here, JT rolling with his favorites, minus three and a half for the uh, Miami, minus three and a half, the Raiders, minus one, the Bengals, minus three, and the Vikings, minus three and a half, and then one dog riding the bears plus nine and a half too many points is the rationale there i got two favorites the niners minus one and a half and the jags minus two and a half and then a couple dogs commanders plus three browns plus three cards plus three and a half that's gonna do it for us on a friday hope you have a great rest of your day hope you enjoy titans at texans on sunday i am gonna go get married so i'll see you on monday with a ring on my finger and a new beautiful wife. And uh, I can't wait. JT, he'll be there as well. We're going to have a great time on Saturday night. Too. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to wake up and uh, watch the Titans game on Sunday. And we'll be back with you here on Monday morning to recap all of this weekend's action. Until then, I'm Easton Freeze with producer JT. This ben, the Hot Read Podcast. We will talk to you on Monday.